Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode 194 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here, as always, to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to go on the trails, keep you stoked, and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and people involved. So thanks so much for joining us this week and thanks for tuning in to the podcast. So in this week's show, we are chatting with the founder owner of Feel Good Bicycles, George Allen. And we're chatting to George about opening a bike store in Ireland, how he found that whole process, why he went about that and the challenges he faced. Now, we're also chatting about how the supply and demand problems are affecting his business over times of COVID. And we all know it's very difficult to get bikes, right? You could go into a bike store with three grand and you may walk out with nothing. So it's very difficult to get this stuff. So we chat to George about his thoughts and feelings on that, how it's affecting his business. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing and what he expects the future to look like once this COVID thing kind of dies down a little. We also chat about how the massive growth in the MTB industry is changing things and why George is seeing a large number of roadies moving over to the MTB world. It's pretty crazy but he is seeing it in his store and it's a very very interesting story. We chat about that lots more um, it's very, very cool. I love getting the little guys on the show to chat about the bike industry because these guys are in it every day, you know, 8, 10, 12 hours a day. These guys are in the industry. They're chatting to people involved. They know what's going on. They know what's happening with supply chains, etc., etc. They're talking to customers. They're talking to people on the ground. So it's a very, very good insight into what's happening at the minute. So without further ado, let's get George from Feel Good Bicycles on the MTB Tribe podcast. Hi, George. Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. How's things with you, sir, this morning? Morning, Gareth. Feeling good this morning. Ready to start the day. Good way Excellent. to start the day with a, with a podcast. It's uh, very, um, uh, yeah, excited to be, be on. It's pretty cool. Yeah, excellent, dude. Excellent. You have the morning off from the bike shop, huh? So you're not in there this morning? I didn't know this morning. I got the boys in there. They're doing a cracking job. So, um, yeah, sometimes I, I take a couple of hours in the morning to get a bit of stuff done at home in the in the office here, just because, yeah, there's a lot of admin associated with, with running the business, as you know. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're off, but you're not off. You're working from home. <laughs> You've got your own business. You're never off. You're 24, <laughs> 365 days a year. It's, it's the, way, the way you roll. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's funny when people start businesses. You know, they think a, a big reason for a lot of people starting their own business is to give themselves more free time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you get you get um, rudely awakened from that notion once you start a business. <laughs> that. Yeah, it's crazy, man. And especially the bike business at the minute is pretty freaking nuts, right? Yeah, yeah, it's wild. It's 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 just crazy. It's changed changed completely. Yeah. It's, it's so cool. Yeah. It's yeah, it's good. And we'll get stuck into that. Uh, we'll chat about your your bike store, feelgoodbicycles.ie, and we'll get into all that, and we'll, we'll get chatting about bikes and everything, because I'm, I'm keen just to hear your stance on it and where you think the future's going, all that kind of thing. We'll get stuck in, because you guys, you bike owners are just a wealth of knowledge for what's going on in the industry, you know? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a, it's a daily bread and butter is what we do every day so um got to keep our finger on the pulse uh, as much as we can and yeah. Uh, and yeah like we've got a we, yeah we do have quite a bit of knowledge in there between us um, i listened to your podcast with um nigel from bikeology and yeah he he really kind of laid it out pretty well what's going on yeah yeah definitely no he's uh he's a good lad seems to be well into the scene there and stuff but it's crazy you know like I'm not sure if it's the same for you, George, but, uh, you know, listening to that podcast, you realize Nigel hasn't rode a bike in ages because he just hasn't had time. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Uh, he does have two very small children as well. Um, yeah. Mine are, my two kids are a little bit older, um, only yeah, four and six, but they're just at the age now where, you know, it's a little bit easier. So you can, you can carve out those bits of time. 
Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's very crazy, and I know like Nigel had a he had a Santa Cruz belt there setting for ages, but he ended up selling it at the end of the day. So you know because he was probably offered too much money for it. <laughs> yeah, it can be yeah, uh, can be hard to have a really nice bike and not be able to use it. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, for me, for me, it's really important to prioritize getting out on the bike. Uh, it's for for mental health as much as anything yeah. else it's so important there's no point in having a bike shop and not riding your bike <laughs> yeah yeah it's very it's very true and you know there's a lot of people out there that have the kind of thinking that if you love something don't make it your day job you know what i mean because it just totally changes it for you you know since you've opened the store have you felt that as do you still love biking like or has running a business you know, selling bikes, is it taking a bit of the fun out of the thing for you? Not at all, no, like, um, there's some days, I suppose, when I just want to go ride my bike by myself <laughs> and not talk to anybody, um, which is which is one way. But um, no, 99% of the time, it's all good. Um, it's kind of been my philosophy on life uh, throughout my whole sort of career. Is I've been always into the bikes, I've done other stuff before, but it's always kind of do what I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, in other in other jobs, I kind of did get to that point at certain uh, at a certain point, but it's different. It's very different going and riding your bike than it is being in a shop selling bikes or uh, all the other things that are associated with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I agree, I agree certainly. Um, so, George, how did you get into bike biking in the first place? Like, how did you get into the scene? Um, well, it's kind of always into riding bikes, as most most people are. Like in kids, like parents got me a cool little bike when I was you know, five, and off I went, adrenaline junkie, jumping over everything I could. And then, but I was never really like into it. I suppose when I was when I was younger and teenager, it was kayaking for me, and that right, was wow. focus whitewater kayaking and freestyle kayaking. So. I was at a pretty good level in that, and the biking was a great uh, alternative sport, a uh, second sport, because you need rain and rivers to go paddling, and biking suited best when it was dry and there was no rain, so it just worked really well, and yeah, just, yeah, good, just pedaling around the forest and riding bikes, um, not really kind of in any scene or with we had a couple of guys that we'd go out and spin with. It was different in those times, though. That was that was um, sort of late nineties, early two thousands kind of time. So, yeah, different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you missed the whole BMX scene thing. Uh, I had a BMX when I was a teenager, but like living in Cavan, there was nowhere to ride a BMX apart from the jumps I built in the back garden, and uh, and hurt myself on. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, for, for my uh, to encourage me to do well on my leaving cert, my parents said they'd buy me a BMX if I studied really hard and done well. So, uh, got a yeah, the old specialized BMX, and it was the heaviest thing in yeah. the world. I'm trying to jump it, and I get like an inch off the ground, I'd be light on myself because it was so heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and it was specialized, yeah, yeah. They got I didn't specialized. even know they'd done BMX, they did, yeah, yeah, specialized BMX. Um, can't remember the name of it or anything, but it was it was solid. <laughs> it was really solid. It was it was a good bike, um, and it was indestructible. <laughs> yeah, no, like you know, it's funny chatting to guys, you know, coming up, and most guys that are into mountain biking now have you know have if they have made it their career, they've come through BMX or come through motocross or something like that. And they've just channeled their energies into the mountain bike thing. So when did you first kind of get your first mountain bike and start to take it a little bit more seriously? Yeah, so um, I suppose when I, I went away to Australia and New Zealand, um, at the time of windsurfing was the main focus. And um, the bike I had at the time was just a very cheap, uh, full suspension bike and I had a mate who went to emigrate to New Zealand throw so I stuck my bike in the container that he was sent in, sending over and uh, when I got there about like three years later because <laughs> you know, I went to, to spend about two years in Australia and then, um, and then I met up with my buddy who he used to have a bike shop uh, nearby as well actually right well 
Jimmy O'Sullivan, he, he inspired a lot of local riders back in those days. Um, so, yeah, pulled it out of the container and proceeded to destroy it on the New Zealand trails very quickly. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I kind of got, I got a, ta- a, a really good taste of proper mountain biking then because uh, the trails over New Zealand are just unbelievable. Yeah, um, yeah. At a whole other level of what, like, compared to what we had in Ireland is nowhere near um yeah what year was that george that would have been let me think probably about 2010 maybe okay okay yeah 2010 or so um so yeah yeah like did a couple of uplift days where you jump on the and uh, the bike parks over there like rented downhill bikes and stuff and yeah i kind of really caught the bug so when i came home from new zealand first thing to do was I was I was kind of on the edge. I was like on the edge for going to get a motocross bike or getting a, a good mountain bike. Mm-hmm. And what tipped me onto the mountain bike was um, there's nowhere to ride a motocross bike for for a start, and we've got the local woods for the mountain bike, and also I, I needed the fitness element of it too. So mm-hmm. yeah, mountain biking it was, and and uh, yeah, I got a I got a hardtail pretty cheap because I had no money after coming back from traveling. I got it for like, I don't know, 150 euros or something, but I had, to re- I had to rebuild the whole thing. Um, and because I've always, I've always worked on my bikes and, and my mate who was the bike shop owner in New Zealand as well, he taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. So I bit stripped and rebuilt the whole thing and then pretty quickly exceeded the limits of that bike and found myself a Kona Cadabra frame secondhand and put all the parts from that onto the cadabra frame and slowly just built it up with better parts as i could afford them yeah yeah wow does your mate still have the store in new zealand uh no he had a shop in ireland actually and um it was yeah it was in the small little village nearby here uh, okay. but he uh, went up shipped up to new zealand he actually got a visa for being a bike mechanic at the time okay um, but now he uh he's got other other interests and fixes motorbikes and uh cars and vintage cars and stuff he's into he's into everything so yeah um yeah he's he's happy out over there living the dream hi have you been out there since to new zealand not since i got back no i'd love to go yeah like um i was just chatting to keelan keelan grant for the podcast there and him and elliot he spent a couple of months out there and he says it's basically ireland on steroids yeah yeah it is like it's it's unbelievable it's it's an amazing amazing place like i would have stayed there if i could um but yeah just uh kind of family commitments and and so on it was kind of you know get back to ireland i was actually going to go to canada mm. it's only like oh we'll just stop off in ireland spend a few months here because we've been away for three years at that stage and we'll uh, tip over and do the work and holiday in canada for a year or two um but i broke my foot so i didn't go to canada <laughs> oh. and i got a job in the local adventure center because that's what I, I did that was my career as um, adventure sports yeah so i got a job as chief instructor and then chief instructor turned into adventure center manager pretty quick and then adventure center manager turned into like general manager of the whole business and yeah ended up uh, buying a house and having kids and here i am <laughs> <laughs> haven't got haven't gone to canada yet but we'll get there someday yeah yeah cool cool uh so where does the bike store f- f- you know kind of feature into all this when did you think yeah let's open a bike store let's go down that route like when did that all start to happen in your mind so i quit the general manager position in the event in the adventure business it was like adventure and weddings and tourism and uh, historic gardens and a coffee shop and it was so stressful it mm. was incredibly stressful and the owner was eccentric um so i quit that when my daughter was born my second child and i didn't really know what i was going to do um i kind of thought maybe i'll go into web design or try to do something that i can work from home and not you know be kind of location independent mm-hmm. that was the plan uh, but i couldn't hack it the web design stuff i just i, I just it drove me nuts um trying trying to do it and then my the uh, local shop in the town here which i used to go in and tip in and help out from time to time 
he had enough of it um and he wanted to he wanted to close the business down and uh, give it up and he said would he asked me would i be interested in taking it over mm. so, oh yeah that sounds great so scrambled around and found some money to buy the business um got some loans off family and and uh and got going yeah that was four years ago last month wow wow yeah so you're you're still pretty fresh in it but you still seem to be really keen and really you know into it like is it has it changed your life in a big way or has it got you more embedded in the biking community like how's it helped out and things like that definitely way more embedded into the biking community for sure because yeah i was into the biking i was doing enduro races but i was like you know, delighted not to be last. <laughs> uh, just getting around it was the mission for me. Um, but I was loving the biking. I was kind of it become my main sport. Uh, like I hadn't haven't been in a kayak or gone windsurfing since I got back from New Zealand at all. It was it was all about the bikes. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, so yeah, really got into the biking, and, and the scene was still pretty small here compared to like what it's gone in the last year because mm-hmm. we are we're in cavan there's no major mountains or hills but we do have a local forest which is we've got some unofficial trails in there and it's it's a really good spot but it's not like wicklow mountains or or uh, ross trevor or anything like that um yeah. but uh but yeah like i just i just love it um i always wanted to have my own business and I always liked the idea of having a shop. Um, even back when I was into the other sports, like having an outdoor sports shop, like in kayaks and things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just yeah, it was like a really right place, right time, and I was just so lucky to have that opportunity. Super lucky um, to have that opportunity to start it when I did. Yeah, yeah. Everybody crazy, especially like any other bike shop owners. Like, Are you mad trying to start in a bike shop in this business? And I was like. This is so much easier than tourism. It is a walk in the park compared to what. <laughs> I can believe it, man. Yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? You know, if you were to ask other bike owners or or people that kind of know the industry, they would say, "Nah, don't do it, man. You're nuts. You're nuts." You know what I mean? Like, was it a scary thing for you when you were hearing those reactions? Was it a scary thing for you to do that? Oh, I'd already done it at that stage, so I wasn't scared anymore. <laughs> um, but, uh, but like, you know, I kind of, you know, yeah, sort of think about what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, it doesn't do well. You sell all the stock and you move on and do something else, you know. It's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, just not, it's, it's sure like, like you can get scared of these things. But but in the end of the day, you know, it's what is the worst that can happen in the end of the day? And usually that's not going to happen. So you're, yeah. you're good. <laughs> Yeah, and you were coming from it with experience of the outdoor industry and all, which is very tough. So you know, yeah. you, you know, that was probably did, a break for you. <laughs> I did have, I did have like four years of running a a much bigger business, uh, and I had I had good training in that as well. I had really good business coaching mm-hmm. um, when I when I took over the role of general manager there. So I had. I was pretty much running it as my own business. Uh, I, I had f- fairly free reign for a few years there uh, while the owner was otherwise occupied um, with some other stuff that she had going on. Um, and when she came back from the other stuff she had going on and kind of tried to take over the reins a bit, I just couldn't hack it anymore. So uh, that's why I was delighted to have my own business and do things my way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's weird that, isn't it? You know, I don't know if it's just the mindset that people have or something, but when you run your own business, it's very hard to step back, especially when you've done it for years in a stressful position and you step back, it's really hard to be an employee almost. Yeah. Do you find that? I couldn't imagine working for anybody else, really. Um, it's just, it's the way I'm built. Like when I, I grew up with my parents having their own business as well, um and so i was always involved in that, involved in that and kind of even ran it uh, for periods of time um so so yeah it's just part of my life that's who i am yeah yeah it's just the way you're wired dude yeah that's it yeah um now in the store uh you sell you obviously do road and mtb and kids and electric bikes and everything like that when i started working in the store 
in Malta there for a couple of years. Like, I knew a good bit about mountain bike. I knew nothing about road, right? I knew nothing about road bikes. Yeah. Was that the same for yourself? Were you into road at any time? Like, how did you adapt to that side of it? Yeah, it was definitely a bit of that. It was a bit of imposter syndrome for a little while when I was starting off the road. Um, the road side of stuff, because I knew lots about mountain bikes, obviously, but the road side I didn't have great knowledge on. And the shop that I took over was a very road-focused shop. Wow. Uh, and the scene around here was very much road. Um so I just, you know, you just have to learn on the fly. Uh, a lot of watching um, GCN. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just, yeah, watching YouTube videos and stuff. And just trying to, I just tried to really get into the road as much as I could. Um, just to get my head into the scene and, and what what it was all about. And, and the th- things that were important to road cyclists and and so on. So I, I, I one of the first the first bike I got myself through the shop was actually a road bike. So I could get out and do club spins with the local club and just try to get into the scene a bit. Um, so, uh, yeah, I learned pretty quick and there's a lot less going on in road biking than there is in mountain biking, I guess. Um, so, and there's a lot of transfer of skills. So yeah, it came pretty quick and figured it all out. Um, but road cycling is so different mm. in a lot of ways. Road cyclists, are very different to mountain bikers, two different sorts of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, weird. Like when you say there's not as much going on on the road, do you mean as far as the uh, technology in the bike, or what? what technology do you mean? in the bikes for one way, yeah, it's like it's 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 different again. Like you've got the road bikes, and you know you don't have you don't have your suspension and stuff going on there, and and geometry is pretty much static there's no major changes in geometry really um so kind of once you're going to get your head around it all you kind of know what's what mm. um, yeah um, yeah it's the priorities of road cyclists then are, are different again and you can just figure out what what's important to people and um yeah once i figured that out it was easy enough after that yeah yeah, yeah. Well, you're. I suppose you're. You're getting embedded into the the community there, the road community, and then you're finding out what issues the guys there have and what they need and what problems they need solved, and that's how you. That's how you attack it. Eh? Yeah, yeah. And then for the shop side of things, it, the things that were important to them was really the same things that were important to to anybody in any business. Really, like it all comes down to the same sort of things, like from the get-go i really put a big emphasis on um just quality in terms of of workshop and repairs making sure it did best job possible um and then along with that communication um which is so important the communication good communication can solve most problems before they become problems yeah and i got a really good following then from the roadies that i did really good work on their bikes and I had really detailed descriptions of what work I'd done on their bikes. So they, they knew exactly what had been done um, and had a track record of it as well because they went out by email through the system and everything. So some of those things, focusing on customer service in that way, uh, really, really gave us a great reputation along the, along the, the riders. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know you put a huge emphasis on customer care um, and the mechanical side of things. Like, how important do you think it is for the independent bike store these days, the customer care side of things? Oh, I think it's vital. Like, But if you want to be a good bike shop, I think that's kind of where it all comes from. And that caring about the customers, excuse me, caring about about the customers and, and, and their riding experience. Um that's what it's all about because anybody can go online and buy anything from a faceless uh, website but um but yeah if you if you you can talk to the people in the bike shop and they they want to do advise what's right um whether it's getting the getting the work done properly and making sure their bike is in top condition um especially with the guys who are racing and stuff their bike has to be absolutely perfect um mm-hmm. be able to trust you and trust that you're going to get it perfect and that takes time yeah um, and um 
then then yeah like if you can connect with the with the people on the floor then you're supporting them and they're supporting you and it all works together really well yeah yeah for sure for sure definitely you know it's one of those things i think the bike industry is a very touchy-feely thing you know you like to sit on the thing you like to see it you like to ask questions about it you like to get advice on it i it's just me i can't imagine buying a bike online without seeing it and riding it you know or at least riding something as close as possible like are you like that do you find your customers are a bit like that yeah yeah well well everybody's different so um some people uh, you know i suppose the more experienced people riders they'll either go one way they'll look at the numbers and they go yeah that looks good or um they'll want to get on a bike and it's really it's down to a personal level level of where you are um like for me i would have been like that um but now i've got so much experience of different bikes from through the shop and riding all the different bikes and demo bikes uh, and even just test rides to setting bikes up. I can look at a bike's numbers and say, yeah, that's good. Um, and like I would have, um, and I'm, I've got a, a hardtail ordered for myself. It's coming in. I've never, never seen it. So I look at the numbers. I know it's going to work for me. Mm. Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. Like, do you think that whole direct-to-consumer thing, do you think that has affected your business in any way, you know, the likes of YT and Canyon and stuff? Well, for me, because I'm so new into the bike business, it doesn't hasn't really affected me because talking to other bike shop owners who have been in the game for the long haul, who are in for, you know, 10 or 20 years or so, mm-hmm. they've change when customer direct consumer stuff's come along but for me it was already there when i started and before i started the bike shop i would have bought a lot of stuff off chain reaction mm-hmm. but, um the local shop was a roadie shop they didn't have the stuff i was looking for and um and I, it meant like i could look up and get what i what i wanted what i needed and get it sent down because otherwise the only option for me was to drive up to dublin or something which i don't generally do that often mm-hmm um so yeah i understand it i understand both sides and for me we're and especially now we're so busy it we're just so busy and with with riders coming in that it, it doesn't matter it really doesn't yeah yeah i know what you mean it's yeah it's went crazy right and like i'm sure your service and thing has went nuts too like has that really increased over the covid thing Absolutely, yeah. Since it started, it's you know, last summer we were most of the summer we were booked out for a month in uh, in the workshop. Um, but uh, even already this year, we're already booked up for a month in the workshop, which I didn't think it would get to that stage quite so fast. Yeah. Um, and uh, and not, it's not because in we're we're a small shop, we don't have a lot of space, and we've got two work stands and then it's it's tight with that so mm-hmm. at the moment i'm focusing really hard i've got a got i've got a second location just around the corner coming on board so i can build bikes i can have two lads building bikes because all the new bikes come in boxes and some of them come in many boxes <laughs> and uh, you've got to put them together properly uh, and even the ones that are built in boxes, you've got to put them together properly and give them a full check. So that takes up a lot of the workshop mechanic, yeah. the mechanics time. So, um, so yeah, we should be able to pull that lead time on the workshop back a bit because we've got, I've got two stands running for building bikes and two stands for repairing bikes now. And we'll be able to smash through stuff a bit, a bit, a bit quicker. And I've got a lot of new staff just started this year as well. So we're getting up to speed, getting, yeah. the, boys, getting the boys going. Wow, wow. How many staff do you have there? At the moment, all together, we were like, including part time, we've got about eight on the payroll, um, which like is up from three at the start of the year. Wow. Um, and like last year, we would have had about, there was four of us really going full time um, during the summer, so it was wild. Um, but this year, yeah, we've got got about eight and there's a few guys that are part-time uh like so we've got yeah there's there's three of us that are full 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 full-time 
and then uh, the rest are all part-time and then it'll be coming along coming online on full-time in the next couple of months yeah yeah because i suppose you know before i got into the kind of the bike scene thing i always thought christmas was the biggest time for bikes you know well for kids maybe um but yeah the summer's massive right everybody starts to upgrade and starts to think about getting new stuff so i suppose this is prime time really for you guys yeah like once the sun comes out the the bikes come out so um because we had such a good april um april was wild april was just insane um for servicing for new bikes for everything i couldn't believe how it was so busy already i didn't expect it really until sort of may may june to be as busy as it is Mm. But then since May, it's been very, very wet. We've had a little bit of a lull. And I say a lull, it's probably still like four times busier than it was pre-COVID, but it's a little bit of a lull from what it was last month. Yeah, wow, wow. Like, what's your what's your overall thoughts on the pandemic and how it's affected the, the bike industry? You know, because you have got stock issues and supply issues and things like that you know as everybody has like what's your overall general thoughts on it are you do you like it is it something you think the industry need it like what's your thoughts in a way yeah it's it's well it's brought bike in mainstream sort of again i suppose and, and speaking to older people they go oh back in the day we used everybody had a bike and that was for transport to get around and then cars took over and the bikes got put to the put aside and they became a, a toy um and now with covid and stuff and people are going to go on public transports and things people are looking to the bike again uh, so that's like the ba- the basic level of it never mind mountain biking and, and, and leisure and sport but at the very basic level people are looking at the bike as a transport means again and in the age of sustainability lowering carbon emissions and all that sort of stuff it's mm-hmm. it's only going to keep, it's only going to keep going and that's going to drive the leisure side of it as well um so yeah i don't i don't i certainly don't see bikes going away they're gonna they've just been given a bit of a kick forward by a few years i would say um like the numbers we're doing now i suppose originally i, I would have thought maybe in three or four years time you know be getting to those numbers but we're already at those numbers now so yeah it's gonna i'd say we've got a bit of a boom period and i feel like it'll 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 lull a bit maybe 2023 we might see things level off a bit and then supply may start to catch up a little bit hopefully um and uh, yeah i don't know like Will we be seeing oversupply of some things? Probably, but other things, possibly not. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the new riders, whether it's road or mountain bike, rather than we're going to keep a lot of those people as riders. So the guys who are buying the entry-level bikes, if they're able to get one now, um, will be upgrading to better bikes. And it's kind of going to be a, reaching a critical mass of 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 people riding bikes because everybody's everybody sees other people out on it and having fun and they want a piece of that mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely it's a very interesting time um like as far as road and mountain bike have you seen more roadies new roadies coming into the stores or more mountain bike is there uh, all mountain bike it's really all, i'd say we're probably about 80 percent new mountain bikers or more uh, compared to roadies um, wow for, for new bikes and a lot of roadies coming in to get mountain bikes you are joking me oh no yeah no no way it's like big big things like so many road bikers getting mountain bikes at the moment it's it's crazy why do you think that is a couple of reasons there's been a trend to it even before covid of the road scene slackening a little bit and roadies are getting gravel bikes and cyclocross bikes and they're turning more to the off-road side of things and i've seen this in the last four years since i've started um you they're getting off the roads because of there's a perception of the roads being more dangerous um and also the the road scene it's very it's hard work it's 
it's very sort of data-driven, fitness-driven, and and it's you go out and it's bragging rights for who's pushed the hardest and who's who's got the best time going up that hill. Um, so it's it's hard work to keep that up, yeah. uh, and level up and level up and keep that level of fitness going up and up and up all the time. And like the best roadies thrive on it. That's what they love, and that's what they, they love the suffering. They love to be able to do it. <laughs> it it's the, as I say, they're very different people. And then mountain biking, it, it's all about going out and having fun. It's mm-hmm. about you know you ride up the hill, you cruise up, and then you bomb down. And it's about having the crack with your mates. Um, and and uh, it's way more about having fun than it is about about the numbers of how many watts you you can do and and all that sort of, sort of thing. So that's that's kind of you're seeing a lot of roadies come across for that reason too. Yeah. Do you think the COVID thing has just made them think, you know what, I take life far too seriously. <laughs> Let's go out and get dirty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 part of it, yeah. And uh mountain biking it's just booming. It's just because they can still go out and do their their fitness uh with the mountain bikes. It's and you can, you know, it's you can get your your physical fitness for sure and as we all know like it's it's a, it's a demanding sport too but mm-hmm. you don't quite have the same mentality or the same pressure i think as in some of some of the road clubs now, other road clubs they're they're very relaxed it's about let's go out for a spin and do 50k and we'll stop for a coffee and a scone and then cruise back and it's having the chats the whole way and that's the best the best local clubs that are that are thriving that's their approach to it it's interesting yeah definitely like do you see those roadies when they jump on a mountain bike do they still wear the tight lycra stuff or do they get into the kind of baggier mountain bike branded clothing they, they start off on the, the tight lycra stuff because that's what they've got and if they're doing a bit of cross country then, then for sure but I think they start to get into the more baggier stuff then as they get deeper in to doing more mountain biking than than road biking because they're they're meeting up with people and they're it's it's kind of one of those things being part of the tribe, isn't it? Yeah. Having the having the clothes that the other the other guys are wearing and and looking the part to fit in. Yeah, yeah. Because ask you that because I was wondering, you know, is one of the reasons why you're seeing roadies coming across to the mountain bike scene. Is it to do with marketing? Is it to do with the image that the mountain bike scene has? Now, I know that won't appeal to everybody, but there just seems to be, like you were saying, a lot more happening in the mountain bike industry as far as bikes go, colours go. It's just it's just a lot cooler. You know, like the roadies that are coming across to mountain biking, do you think that has affected them? And also, is there an age, would you say the older guys aren't coming across to mountain biking or is it the younger roadies that are coming across? Well, uh, I don't think age is, is part of it at all. Um, it depends. Yeah. It depends on the person. And, uh, I suppose you and I were going to be biased. Mountain biking is definitely cooler. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, I do think it has that perception of being cooler and, and, as in for marketing, uh, yeah, marketing capitalizes on the fact that mountain biking has the image it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's more, like I was saying earlier, about sort of fun versus punishment or suffering. Um, yeah. Some people love to suffer and road cycling appeals to them for that reason. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm asking you that question and I know really nothing about the road scene at all. So I don't know, you know, I'm not really switched onto it at all. But yeah. um, it's very interesting. That. I would never have guessed that, you know, you would see roadies starting to come across to the mountain bike scene. That's really interesting. Yeah, well, still still bikes at the end of the day. Um, and uh, yeah, it's I think it's, it's just part of what we're seeing about the growth of mountain biking. Mm. Uh, that that's that's driving that as well yeah yeah now uh in the store you mountain bike brands and stuff you stock what you kona giant or bear do you stock stock or bear yeah yeah yeah, kona yeah. Giant. 
Bea, Scott, when we can get them, um, and a few other brands, uh, bits and pieces. We'll, excuse me, we'll get, um, yeah, we can get our hands on a couple of other bits and pieces. Uh, yeah. Don't be surprised with as well, even. Um, but uh, And then we've got Uno, which we're the only shop in Ireland for, which we're quite delighted about. Right. Uh, what kind of stuff do they do? Uno, uh, if you're familiar with them, they are um, very unique, exclusive, high-end mountain bikes. The okay. frame are handmade in Barcelona by uh, Cesar Rojo, who's uh, an ex, um, ex-downhiller. Okay. They've got a, they've got. He's got an industrial design company, and they make they do projects for the likes of Formula One and everything. So very high end industrial design stuff. And Uno is basically his passion project. Um, they only make fifty frames a year of each model. Wow! And they've got a lightweight hardtail cross country bike, uh, Falsos cross country bike, and then they've got uh, the um, trail bike, the Dash, which we have one as a demo bike in the shop, Enduro bike, 27.5, long travel, and then they've got a downhill bike, the Ever, which is one of the most beautiful bikes you've ever seen. Wow, wow. Uh, so, yeah, super exclusive, quite expensive, um, yeah. but not that expensive when you compare to them to some of the top-level specialized in Trek and even Kona stuff. Um but uh, they're 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 they've put like four or five years into the carbon layups for each of these models, and they they don't like change model every year or anything like that. It's got incredible incredible research gone into the how these bikes are made, um, and they ride unbelievably well. Yeah, wow, that's very interesting. Like, have you had a supply issue with? that brand like you possibly have had with the other ones not so much like we to be honest we sell very very few unos um it, because they're so exclusive and yeah. a lot of people don't know about them as well like um they're they're a dream bike they're when i heard about them first like a good few years ago probably just before i started the shop um it was kind of like if i ever won the lotto i'd get one of them Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I haven't won the lotto, but I have one of them, so I'm delighted. <laughs> um, so yeah, they reached out to us last year um, uh, to to looking for an Irish dealer, and I was like, yes, 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 please, please, please. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, we've they have they make the frames in house, so frames aren't a problem for them, but the parts are. Um, so. But and because they make so few, they don't have the buying power of of the big brands. But that being said, they they've got frames available now, and they've got parts coming in due probably August September time, which is not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, they're not too bad compared to the likes of Orbea, which is pretty much sold out twenty twenty two as far as I know. Wow, uh, my word. Kona 2023 order for me was yesterday. You are joking me, really? Yeah. Do um, you even know what you're ordering like? Oh, uh, you've kind of a good idea. Like you, you've you get you see the specs and you you know the bikes already. There's not really any massive changes going okay. on the at the moment because ever they're kind of running models and extending their life on the different models. So there's no real massive changes coming down the line that I can see. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but yeah, it just, it's kind of guesswork, but uh, like think about the Kona 2023 order. Now I should have been on that at six o'clock in the morning, but I had stuff going on. I couldn't get to it until later that day. And then when I went on later that day, almost everything was already sold out. That is unbelievable. Yeah. That is crazy. Like, it surprises me that Orbea, you know, uh, being a European brand and still made in Europe, you know, they have their own yeah. factory there. I think they have a factory where Spain and one in Portugal. Yeah. Because um, we used to sell them in the store in Malta and Wheel Wizards. I loved the brand. I thought the brand was very, very, very nice. Um, but it surprises me they're having problems, you know, um, because... Yeah. 
it's it's not just the it's not just the frames. It's yeah. the it's all the parts. Um, the thing is, if you for the manufacturers to order Shimano parts for their bikes, I think the lead time is is well over a year now, coming up on a year and a half, I think. Oh, and they have geez. to order they have to order however, however many thousand, you know, XT group sets and make an advance payment on them as well with no cancellations or changes allowed um for for that for their their year a year in advance or more mm-hmm. so it's the, the what it comes down to is the parts and i think you're going to start to see over the next couple of years you're going to see some of the smaller uh parts brands come a lot more prevalent on new bikes Yes, like sort of, uh, say like Box and Suntour, um, TRP, even I think we're going to see a lot more OEM stuff coming out of those guys. Yeah, yeah, interesting because I suppose Shimano and uh, Shram really have kind of a huge market share and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah rude the roost. Yeah, there's there's not that much of an alternative. It's going to be a great opportunity for the smaller ones to to get on board and get. Get get their parts all specced on bikes, so mm-hmm. it's going to boost for them. Yeah. Um, but again, they've got to get it made somewhere as well, and it's it's not just bike stuff that is. It seems to be like an issue across the board. Anything you want is hard to get at the moment. Yeah, yeah, wow. It's it's not like I had exposure lights on the podcast. Yeah, a while back there, and they're all made in the you know they still all make them and and house in the UK. Yeah, um, those lights are good guys over there. Yeah, and yeah, they're good lads for sure. And they just don't seem to be having the same issues, you know, because obviously they make everything in house. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because when you're buying a bike for the general customer, they buy a bike, and you know everybody kind of has a fair idea of the supply problem because you can't freaking get a bike now if you wanted to. <laughs> but I suppose they don't look at it from the point of view that the bike brands are also having the same problem getting supply of parts. Yeah, yeah, that's it's uh, it goes right up, right through the chain. And then I believe even raw materials are an issue. So for making frames, making parts, the parts manufacturers uh, are having raw material price increases and yeah. and uh, demand it's, it's the world's gone crazy it really has like um i've said this in a few podcasts now but it blew my mind um uh, that santa cruz was having some issues with delivering bikes initially when the whole covid thing got really you know really hit in and, and the bike thing just just burst went into a complete bubble but they're biggest problem initially and why they couldn't send out bikes was because they couldn't get cardboard i will believe it they couldn't get boxes made like how crazy is that yeah yes it's um yeah that's it's just in the prime example of the way the world is at the minute like there's shortages it seems of everything like shortages of shipping containers uh and so it's even getting stuff shipped around the world is is difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. Oh, it's it is nuts. Now let's chat a little bit about prices because all this this supply and demand thing, you know, lot lot more demand, a lot less supply, or it feels like there's less supply. Obviously, drives prices up. Can you see prices going up? Let's say by the end of the year, something like that. Well, they already have on most of the brands we do. Um, I think out of everything we do, only Uno's prices are the same and Kona's prices are the same. Mm-hmm. That haven't changed. Um, but there are, yeah, there's price increases gone up across the brands. And I wouldn't be too surprised if we probably saw even more. And it's definitely a bit of an adjustment you get less bike for your money now if you're buying a new bike. Whereas for a certain price point, you might have expected maybe XT brakes and drivetrain. You're not going to get that at that money anymore. Um, it's going to be more expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it weird? You know, you would think like with economies of scale and everything, there's more bikes being produced. So, 
you know, obviously the companies are making, you would think their bottom lines increased and everything else. But I suppose it's with the supply of materials and then the delivery costs, everything like that has went up as well. So it just gets passed on to the the consumer, really. Is that how you, how you well, see it? Well, that's the way it does. That's the Unfortunately, yeah. that's the way capitalism works, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the 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 big the bike brands they're um, they're they're giving us the reasons of they're saying the raw material prices have gone up, their shipping costs have gone up, their manufacturing capacity has actually gone down because of social distancing. You can't have as many people in the same space as you, making bikes as you were able to before. And mm-hmm. um, so then there's this investment has to go into expanding factories and, and changing changing production lines because of that too. Um so yeah, I do believe that I do believe that they're not just rising prices just for the hell of it. I do think that they're um that the the costs have gone up. And yeah, if you like on Sunday news, you know, raw materials have gone up and the shipping prices have gone up. If you want to get something shipped now, it's costing I think it's costing maybe ten times what it did before. Um, um I know at one point I remember I was I was told a price of something like and this is for somebody not in the bike industry, this is from, from somebody else in a completely different industry. They said it used to cost something around about fifteen um about one thousand five hundred euros, two thousand euros or something to get a container shipped over and they were being quoted twenty thousand euros to get mm. a container over. No, that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. So many bikes or parts or lawnmowers or printers or computers or whatever it is into a container, and they're all made over the other side of the world. So, um, yeah, that's that's the reality of it. Yeah. You know what scares me about it? And I think everybody's looking at it as, a, you know, it's it's all going to change once the pandemic dies down and all. What scares me about it is, a lot of the time when things like this happen and people get used to it, it just becomes the norm. Yeah. These prices may become the norm. Yeah, yeah, that probably is going to happen. Um, I wouldn't be too surprised. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, like, and for a small shop like ours, our prices are set by the big brands. We don't really have much control over it. Yeah. Yes, it's nuts, man. The way the way things is going, absolutely crazy. Um, but you know, like I know the surf industry. I've still got good friends in the surf industry. I know it's still the same. Um, you know, and I suppose a lot of the outdoor stuff still the same now. Kayak, and I'm sure you have, you know, no friends from that still. I'm sure it's the same prices and everything else. So it's not just mountain biking we're seeing this happening. Man. Yeah, it's across across the board, and I think yeah. you know. The, the thing is as well, like the likes of, um, say, like Taiwan and China and Cambodia and all the different places, um, they, their countries, they're, they're developing more and more. Um, so I think the, the, the cheap labor that we outsource to the Far East, it's slowly just diminishing. And mm-hmm. we're, I'd say it's going to all come around again to things being made more locally because it just won't actually make as much as much economic sense to make things over in the far east which is probably a good thing in the end yeah. of the day it yeah. might, uh, it's going to be more expensive to maybe make some make things in europe but at the end of the day it's going to be better for the world and better for the the local economies to actually make things make things closer to home again yeah yeah no it would be nice to see that for sure and it's it's one of those things that that will maybe happen in the near future you know i'm just scared that you know what happens with the western world is so they're producing so much stuff in china and taiwan and if they become too expensive they'll just go right well maybe let's move to vietnam or let's move to thailand you know they'll just find the next cheapest place you know what i mean (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think. Um, but there is there's a movement as well, and you can see it. The people are especially especially since the pandemic, people are keener to support local. Um, 
And it's going to start with you, you support your local shops and local foods and local butchers and so on. But I think it's just going to fil- filter through gradually and, you know, you'll get more things made local. Like, um, I suppose, look at, uh, you know, um, Tim and Hamilton. Have you spoken to him? Yeah, yeah, I know Hamilton. Yeah, he was just up the road from me here. Yeah, like because he gets his he gets his steel cut with a local uh, a, a local guy that has the laser cutting machine and yeah you know it's all manufactured there right there in Fermanagh, um whereas he could probably get them done for half the price in in Taiwan or some or in China or somewhere and shipped over, but um but again a quality a quality made product made locally um and you know. It's gonna maybe there's a there's less margin in it for him and maybe the thing's maybe gonna a few euros more expensive to us, but uh in the end of the day it's worth it, isn't it? Because yeah. you're 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 supporting your local people and local economy and um the money that goes like if somebody comes to buy something off me, that goes to my pocket to go straight back out again to feed my kids in the shops here and um and um it stays and it, it it drives the it drives the economy here uh, rather than like you know you buy something online from from uh, wherever it might be uh, the money goes over there it's gone um, yeah so no yeah. very very true I'd love to see it happening I'd love to see it happening and then you know you could probably have more looking at it more along the lines as lean manufacturing and all that idea so. You know, you can almost order your order your bike as you want it. You know what I mean? And okay, it may take a month to get it, but sure, if you're getting exactly what you want, the color you want, everything, you know, it's it's brilliant. Yeah, well, you'd be lucky to get a bike in a month, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the minute, yeah, more than eight months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've I've I have a hardtail frame ordered for myself. It's arriving April twenty twenty two. You are freaking joking me. That is nuts. Oh, that's crazy. So, like, what's the future hold for you, George? What are you thinking things will do in the future with the bike store and all there? Like, if you had a crystal ball, what's it telling you? Well, I think uh, bikes are still going to boom, um, especially for the next few years. And then I think it'll level off. I don't really think it'll drop or, or, or go down much, but I think it'll just level off and stay uh, steady kind of at probably a higher level than it is today in terms of people out riding bikes and new bikes and upgrades and so on um so i think we're, we're we've got a good future ahead of us in terms of biking and a good future ahead of us in terms of the the scene um so many new riders coming into the sport and they're just going to develop through and get better and better and bring on more new riders and i think it's looking good yeah yeah, definitely. Like, are you seeing many younger guys coming in the store? Yeah, yeah. There's like there's loads of teenagers. Yeah, you know, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, looking to get in, and and there's there's a lot of um, a lot of them that are getting into it with their families and their their fathers and their mothers and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you're seeing just and even just the local woods, you're seeing so many kids and families and, and guys out on bikes and it's great like we're be, they're being inspired by the likes of uh, the likes of Oshin and, uh, and stuff as well doing re- so well and they're looking at that yeah I could do that too and they're you know they're being inspired to get out and ride yeah definitely like the talent you know I harp on about it all the time but for the size of this island the talent that's coming out here is pretty amazing yeah, it really is. We've got some exceptional talent, and it's only going to it's only going to grow uh, over over the next few years. I think we're really going to see a lot more world level riders cropping up uh, coming out of Ireland. Yeah, definitely. Are you going to try and get to any of the races this year? I know you're a keen racer. Yeah, oh, I can't wait to get racing. Um, unfortunately, the grassroots in Bree is cancelled. Mm. Uh, we, we were sponsoring the grassroots. Yeah. Um, I was really looking forward to getting the getting the tent up and meeting everybody and just having having some fun there and getting out for a few laps as well. Um, it's, it's just such a great way to spend a day. Um, uh, and um, but then yeah, like 
we'll just hopefully something will go ahead at some point and we keep on keep on training and keep on riding and when the race comes we'll be ready hopefully yeah yeah it's uh, you know i know you've done the vita stuff up north as well but because of the rules and stuff you can't come from the south now to ride at which is unfortunate just it is a shame yeah yeah, yeah, I saw the I saw um when Glenn announced the dates all right. I was like, oh, yes, time for go racing and then later on I saw that we can't go, so I was a bit disappointed. Yeah, anyway, yeah, sure. Yeah, we get out and ride. It's still not stopping us from riding there. Like we had a um seven buddy went up to Ross Trevor there last Sunday and had a savage day. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, ride our bikes is all it's all good. Yeah. Is there anybody doing um uplifts at Ross Trevor there? Um, it looked like there might have been some private uplifts going on. Yeah. Um, last I heard, the tender went out to be done again, so I don't know what's going on with it really. But um, and with the whole COVID stuff, they can't really run uplifts. But no. um, yeah, I think for now, mate with a van and a few heads to switch around driving it is probably the only way you're going to get them right now. Yeah. Just yeah. Good for you, you know. Aye, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> might get a few less, might get a few less runs, but you'll be, it'll it'll get you fit. That's for sure. That's for sure. Well, George, listen. Uh, how can people best find out more about Feel Good Bicycles and where you're at and what you've got going on there? Obviously, the website feelgoodbicycles.ie. We've just done a major overhaul on it, so it's looking fresh. Um, we do have ninety five percent of the bikes that we have in stock are online. And I have a couple of bikes there as well. Being in Cavan, we tend to have stock a little longer than some of the more populated areas nearer, nearer to the, the good trails. Um, so check that out. And then um, we, I do, uh, I'm active enough on Instagram and uh, a little bit on Facebook as well. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, bicycles and uh, yeah, you'll find us there. And um, yeah, check it Excellent. out again. Do you ever get any boys coming down from the north to show up with you? Uh, yeah, a couple. Yeah, a couple from time to time. Yeah, um, had a few, fair few from sort of loud direction, almost near the border there. Yeah, um, but um, and we send a bit of stuff to a few, a few boys up north as well. Um, we've got all our our stockers online, and mm. um, and yeah, we get a few online orders, and we can still send stuff up north we don't have to worry about customs duties or anything like that stuff yeah yeah cool cool brilliant no interesting interesting all right but well listen thanks so much for coming on i appreciate you spending the time and filling us in with what's happening there and it's a exciting interesting time in the whole the whole bike game at the minute yeah it's it is it's good um it's all exciting and all fun and just the thing things to remember is to not get burnt out and take time for yourself and uh and i suppose whatever you're doing and just yeah get to get and ride your bike oh it makes everything better definitely mate definitely that's what it's all about george thanks so much i appreciate it and uh hopefully uh when i'm down your direction i'll call and say hello and get you a coffee or something yeah cheers gareth maybe we'll get you out to the local woods and show you some of the trails there that'll be awesome mate that'll be awesome all right thanks so much have a good day cheers thanks that's a wrap for episode 194 and i hope you got a little education from that folks on what it really takes to run a bike store it's not easy and as everybody told george don't do it but covid has changed things maybe for the worse maybe for the better we don't really know but george is definitely taking the bull by the horns and getting stuck in and really enjoying every minute of it so uh, go support your local store whoever that may be go support your local store stick your head in and give these guys a little bit of your hard-earned cash now i just want to say george thanks for coming on the podcast mate i really enjoyed chatting with you i hope your 2021 season goes really well and i hope the supply and demand things and everything else that this covid thing has proven to make difficult i hope it all sorts itself out and i hope you have a great season hopefully i'll see you in the near future as well now folks if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to show your support the best way is by subscribing, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. If you're not on Apple, you can find us and subscribe via Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to your podcasts from. 
We also have a website that you can check out. Just go to mtb-tribe.com where you can find the complete bike catalogue, listen and download every show from there for free. Now, if you want to know a little bit more about George and about Feel Good Bicycles, simply go to the show notes as well and you'll find more links and more access to what we chat about on this week's episode. Now, you can also subscribe via the website and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the podcast. If you want to get in contact with the show, you can find us on social media at MTB Tribe on Instagram and Facebook and PM me there. Or if you want to do it the old-fashioned way, you can email me at info at mtb-tribe.com. I do read all emails and I will get back to you. That's it for this week, folks. And anybody that's a big wood at the Fighters First Tracks Enduro this weekend, definitely take care on the trails. Have a blast. It's good to get back to racing and really enjoy yourselves out there. But until next time, get the bikes out, hit the trails, and stay MTV stoked. <laughs>